This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. That was Pi Day yesterday, and I know that our Vaughn Palmer was very nervous last time we talked to him. And I have to say, Vaughn, I checked in on this during the day, and I am happy to say I saw you getting pied. Yes, I was I was worried being, you know, neurotic that uh, I wasn't going to be pied, and therefore it would say that nobody cares about me anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's nice that everybody worries about yeah, that. So, but Vaughn everybody Palmer. was so sweet and so kind, and... Uh, <laughs> So I got pied four times, uh, nice. agriculture minister, the advanced education minister. I also got pied by two colleagues, Rob Shaw and Keith Baldry. So uh, my reputation survives another day. I'm worthy of being pied. Uh, but it, uh, Simi, it's more fun than I imagined it would be. And the thing was a big hit. Uh, they raised, uh, what, more than $2,000 for charity. And the general consensus around the legislature is that this thing was such a huge hit, uh, we should do it again next year. So I'm already in for next year. Uh, well, can you, p- can you pick a date for next year? Yeah. Well, and I'll come over. Okay, so it was also meat day at the legislature. It was what? So meat day at the legislature happens right near the end of the session and the Cattlemen's Association or the Cattle Persons Association shows up with barbecue and serves barbecued meat what to everybody. Life that uh, you live over there. Sandwiches out back the building and the lineup goes almost all the way around the building. So we didn't know this when we planned the pieing thing, but we were sort of the entertainment for everybody standing in line. So this is kind of a mob scene. Do it again, you know, hit them again. Should have gotten more donations. Could have said you're standing in line for a free sandwich. How about a donation? It was fabulous. So, you know, the thinking is, uh, hey, you know, we should do this again next year and, you know, build it up, uh, sell more tickets. Uh, Like, for example, you know, we could offer package deals, right? So, So the premier's office paid extra for Rob Shaw to pie me while I simultaneously pied Rob Shaw. Now, we have dignity, Simmy, but it was money at stake here. So we agreed to do it. I love it. The Attorney General, I don't know if you saw, but Global ran it in slow motion last night. The Attorney General of British Columbia pied Baldry, and she didn't just pie him in the face. She smeared the pie all through his famous hair. So it was quite a day, Simi. But, you know, we sort of staggered away. I uh, went over to the gym, and we all had to wash our hair and uh, try to restore our dignity in time for question period. Yeah, right. Just in time for question period where, okay, not thinking about pie anymore. But, yes, let's get to question period because this obviously the continuing topic has to do uh, with this whole BC housing and Atira situation. Yeah, so you've got the housing minister on this morning, uh, Ravi Kalan, who's also the government house leader, and yesterday in the course of all the Q&A and all this uh, running, festering sore, uh, it turns out we discovered, uh, the Liberals uh, brought it up and the government finally confirmed it, there's a third report here, 
by Ernst and Young. What? Yeah, yeah. So there's a third Ernst and Young report. They've asked for another one, so that'll be four. But the third one is uh, inserted between report number one, which flagged problems, and report number three, which confirmed the conflict of interest issues. In between those two, there was another report. Uh, the government refused to release it, but we didn't even know it existed until yesterday. So I don't know what the housing minister can tell you about it, but uh, the premier did confirm its existence in the House yesterday and said, no, I'm not going to release it. So anyway, there you go. Uh, this thing, huh. you know, it's one of those stories. We talk about stories that have legs. This one is uh, turning into a centipede in terms of its number of legs. Wow. Okay. And let's talk about the other issues here, too. Like the fact that Atira, it yeah. sounds like the government's getting increasingly frustrated with Atira. Yeah. You know, I mean, you had the premier on uh, beginning of the week on Tuesday, and David Eby said he was very disappointed with the response from Atira so far because Atira was saying, there's no story here. We don't think there's any problems, and we have no intention of changing our executives, and you didn't find any wrongdoing by them. Uh, so basically, go away. And they've so far said they're not even going to pay back the two million bucks that uh, they have in surpluses uh, until BC Housing delivers a bunch of information to them. So that's pretty standoffish. Um, I guess the question is, the government's made it clear they're not happy with this, but what are they going to do about it? Because, you know, the government, Simi, has also said we can't cut off funding to ATIRA because it's running yeah. a whole bunch of buildings with tenants in them that need subsidies, need to be looked after, need protection. So the government is saying, hey, relax, we're not going to cut that off. All we're going to do is we aren't going to approve any new ATIRA projects until we're satisfied. So, you know, I mean, what can they do? They, they can't, I don't think, step in and force the organization to fire its executives if the organization doesn't want to do it. The government did say we'd like to have our own representative on your board. And, of course, we discovered this week that the government already does, sort of. Miriam Sabrino, who's a member of the Atira board, is the wife of Forest Minister Bruce Ralston. So, you know, there is somebody there. Now, you know, immediately everybody went, well, wait a minute. Isn't a that a yeah. conflict of interest? Uh, the one bright spot I thought yesterday for the government was we got a very quick statement from Ralston uh, saying, look, I recused myself. I excused myself from any and all discussions at cabinet, at cabinet committees, at the government caucus on the question of Atira and BC Housing, and he's done that consistently. So he acknowledged he has a conflict of interest, and he's dealt with it the way it should be dealt yeah, with, I was which say. is silence. I mean, Callan said in the House yesterday, he's never even mentioned it to me. And that's as it should be. So, you know, uh, the government, uh, I think, gets marks for that one, although it's sort of incredible that in this day and age, uh, anybody involved in government wouldn't understand the concept of conflict of interest and the need to respect the guidelines. Okay, and let's talk a little bit, too, about the new CEO, the incoming CEO of BC Housing, yeah, Vincent Yeah, you know, Tong. this is interesting. So the EY report that we got talks about a key moment that occurred a year ago 
where the leadership of BC Housing was discussing another sweetheart deal with Atera, bankrolling Atera's purchase of an SRO hotel in the downtown east side. And the details were so questionable that a member of the executive committee abstained from the vote. And the then CEO, Shane Ramsey, who was supposed to be hands-off on all this stuff, intervenes, persuades that member of the executive to withdraw his abstention, which he did, and then they re-edit the minutes on Ramsey's instructions to eliminate all of that guy's concerns. So that's in the report. They don't name the guy in the report, Simi, but the footnotes kind of give it away. They indicate that this executive was a particular vice president, not named, and that that vice president then goes on to become the acting CEO when Ramsey resigns. So if you go to the government press release appointing the new CEO of BC Housing, Mr. Wong, um, they say in the footnotes that in their press release, well, he held those positions before. You put the footnotes together with the press release and you go, aha, the guy who got sidelined and cut out of the process because he the raised his voice CEO, right? yeah, is the new CEO. So when Gallon says in his press release, the guy has integrity, that particular claim is documented in the Ernst and Young report. If, as I said, you read the footnotes correctly. So it's a strange way to find it out because they didn't name him, but it's pretty clear that he was the guy. Well, the devil really is in the details in this one, isn't it? No, it's a fascinating story, and, uh, you know, it just kind of heads off in new and strange directions every day. I'm going to be listening carefully to see what uh, the minister says to you this morning, because every day we've learned something else and something new. We really have. And so I'm curious about this other report, but also you got to wonder, at this point, the government must be very frustrated because there does seem to be, they have limited options when it comes to doing something about a tariff. Yeah, I mean, they're angry and they're unhappy and they're disappointed and they've told us all this and this is not the way you should respond and they should recognize that they need to do something and, you know, we're going to be looking at them in detail and going back over their books and everything, but it, it, it's not clear. I mean, the government's clearly surprised that they didn't get the message, but they didn't get the message. They are a standalone nonprofit society, and it's not clear so far what the government can do about it because over the years they've relied on Atira so much. The previous Liberal government did. This government tripled Atira's funding, right? They need them, and it may be that Atira is saying, You're bluffing, you know, that that's right. the message. You can't touch us, and we don't know if the government's bluffing or a tear is bluffing or whether there's some way to get into this and make it happen. There's no indication so far this week that they actually have enough leverage to get what they want out of a tear. They're having trouble getting their $2 million back, um, and they're having trouble getting a tear to accept the view that they need to make changes at the executive level. All right, we'll be finding out more about that, Vaughn. Thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.